What's up, Black Love fam and first-time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man. I'm David Wazicki, your host. And today we've got someone that I'm very excited to talk to. We had a, a chance meeting not knowing what his background was. And there's just so much, so, so much that's interesting in what this man has brought about, how he's evolved um, as a man. And I'm just all kinds of excited. First and foremost, I do have to always bring up when there is a New York native in the house. So <laughs> he is a New York native. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, secondly, he currently calls LA home. At one point, he launched a clothing line. He's also been a producer, network executive, and currently he's the co-founder and CEO of the amazing Sneakertopia, which is about to go international. I'm sure he's uh, going to bring up some details on that. And also a family man. So we, of course, have to touch on that here at Man to Man. Without further ado, let's get started with the one, the only, the Steve Harris. What's up, my brother? What's up, David? How you doing? Good to see I you again. Good. Likewise, likewise. Yes, it's always good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been a minute, and I think, you know, with with covid and it all it's all a blur in terms of how long it's been but it always feels like so much longer than it probably actually was um, you know uh when we met and when our mutual friend um contact jessica mentioned it i completely yeah. remembered you guys uh really he, yeah you're 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 so. your wife and your daughter in the stroller yeah yeah that's right <laughs> that's right <laughs> and your wife uh is she german she is german and she's but she's and she speaks to your daughter in german and i was like whoa okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that... <laughs> because my my parents are uh uh my parents have both speak english well my daddy speaks jamaican but <laughs> <laughs> well you we know how that goes especially in new york <laughs> so, uh to grow up with a parent that is you know, to be able to have the the uh, privilege of being able to learn another language without having to <laughs> learn another yeah. language. Yeah, <laughs> I know how that goes. Listen, I tried three times to learn German. So at this point, I know what I hear. I understand. But that conversation, not so much. I, I leave that up to the wife and and the daughter at this point. And my and my and my wife is Dutch. She speaks Dutch. And, yes, that's uh, right. That's right. Uh, it's going on eight years, and I've got like three words down. <laughs> what three words? Can you say them? Uh, I don't even remember them now. When she <laughs> says them, that's how bad. <laughs> when she says them, I'll let you know. I'll I'll come back yeah. on and let you know. <laughs> All good, brother. No pressure. No pressure. I know how it goes. Um, so what we like to do around these parts before we dig in is start with the one question that is our special check system here, and we call it getting man-to-man blue check certified. So we got one question to ask you to get the seal of approval. You ready for it? Ready. All right, Steve. What does masculinity mean to you? Masculinity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's you know that's the that's the old school shield uh, um, armor. Uh, mm. I think that 
especially today, is completely evolved in what um, and what that word means and what that word transcends um, of the emotion and thought. And for me, I would say it means honesty with myself. Mm. Honesty with myself is what masculinity means. Not, you know, we spend our lives in judgment. We judge food and possessions and people and we judge ourselves and other people judge ourselves and the only judgment that <clears throat> the only judgment that should resonate and carry weight is the judgment that we put on ourselves and filter that through the lens of honesty wow i love that that, Look, makes, that makes sense that made a ton of sense and like every guest before you You've brought a unique perspective, and it's something that really just widened my lens right now. So one, of course, approved. Two, thank you for that, because I think nowadays, more than anything, this honesty with yourself, for me in particular, I know I have these conversations a lot personally, the way the world is, the way the world has become in mass culture and media and in the context of political and this, that, and the third, there's a lot of following. There's a lot of jumping on bandwagons. There's a lot of polarization. So people feel the need to go left or right, up or down, black or white, depending on what the thing is. But that honesty for me comes back to a phrase I like to say, uh, life happens in the gray. And so by being, <laughs> as your eloquent, mature <laughs> gray beard there that you're showing off so eloquently, um, <laughs> that is that is exactly it. I think that's where the honesty is. I think for all of us, it is in some level of gray if we take a critical, critical, and I put an emphasis there on who we are as people, and we can, to your point, be honest with ourselves I think that's the greatest gift, um, masculinity or not, is is really understanding who you are and being honest with yourself of who you are, right? Because mm -hmm. how you walk in this world, the best way to do it is being honest with yourself and looking in that mirror and truly understanding who you are and want to be and, and want to become as opposed to, again, following the trends or following the the shoulds and I should have this and the should have that. Mm -hmm. I Again, I love this answer. And I think it is something for me that I, I want to tap into as it relates to a sort of wellness journey that I know you've gone into and I want to learn more. But before we go into the wellness journey, I'd love to kind of you know start from the beginning, let the people know where your beginnings began and get us to the present day, um, starting out at Howard University, uh, which you also share in common with uh, the co-founder of Black Love, Cody Elaine. So shout out to the Howard Bison. Uh, <laughs> We're all over. We've You're all over. We've infiltrated everywhere, including the White House, by the way. This is true. This is true. So now, now you got that real power. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So yeah, you started out Howard and now before you, you ventured into, you know, you, a, a lot of your career, if, pe- if folks don't know, has been in film and TV and producing, but at Howard you had a, there was a brief stint of, of interest in fashion, right? Am I correct uh, on that? Yes. My first four years, and that's, it'll mm. explain the backstory. I was there so long is that my first four years, I was a fashion merchandising, fashion design major. Huh. In 89, my wife at the time, now my ex-wife, my first wife, um, we produced the Homecoming Fashion Show, Howard Homecoming Fashion Show. If anyone knows of Howard Homecoming Fashion Shows, they are, it's mentioned in many uh, rap songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I've, I've heard of People, uh, uh, celebrities and artists and people come from all over the world to attend Howard Homecoming Fashion Show being the highlight of, uh, of that week. And, um, my wife and I produced that 89 fashion show with, uh, Sean Combs in the show. Sean Combs was in there. Uh, Malak rock, uh, um, Garfield from shy, like the list, nice. uh, uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy, um, I can't remember Tracy's last name. Tracy, who was married to, Oh, Tracy Morning, but Tracy, I can't remember her real, her, her maiden name, but Tracy was in there. Uh, Alonzo Morning's ex-wife. It was, it was a, it was, it was the who's who of who's was to become, uh, was in that show. Uh, and so my senior year, after four years of, uh, being in fashion design, merchandising major, a half a semester, one semester, one one year to graduate. Literally, my wife and I took all of our classes together, and she came home that fall uh, from campus with our class schedule. And I looked at the schedule, and it said uh, screenwriting and film editing and this workshop. I was like, "This is great! Why are we taking all these film classes?" Because we've always t- always for three and a half years and always taken all of our classes together. Like literally we were in class together doing homework wow. assignments. Together. Wow. <laughs> and uh, she said that when we watch films that you looked at the aesthetic in the movie and the picture and talk about the characters and we're not taking this, these film classes together. You are, we're mm. not taking class together anymore. I've registered you in the school of communications. Wow. And, uh, I was off to the races from there. That's amazing. So first, first semester in, um, I produced this homecoming call, uh, this, this documentary called Shot and Edited and uh, produced a documentary called Back to the Mecca. That was my first film project, my first semester in. And all those people from that I told you were the fashion show, I, I was filming, like everybody that came down there, kid and play, like all this footage mm-hmm. was in this doc. And um, when promoters or students now are marketing their homecoming parties, they use my footage from 1989. That's dope. I mean, that's that's quite an. I I think that's quite an honor and homage to you. <laughs> and you're keeping your legacy is just going to continue on now. <laughs> that's fantastic, and I and I think also you know fortuitous and you know depending on what you believe in on a higher level that 
your, you know, later to be wife comes back to you one day and says, you're going to take this, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and sees, you know, and, and, and sees in you that potential and that passion apparently that, that you did have. It's one of those things I saw, but I didn't see and just never, you know, when you go down a path, you're doing something, you just sometimes do it until, you know, your best friend or somebody just it's like, wait, that's, why don't you try this? Or you, you should be doing that. Or yeah, you got to take somebody else's eyes to, um, to see your proper vision. Right. Right. And I, and again, I love that because sometimes, I mean, a lot of times we can't zoom out, you know, and, and, and take, take that look, uh, from afar to, to see again, what our potential is. Um, and she got, um, and literally that homecoming fashion show, she was pregnant with our first child, our, our daughter, oh, wow. Zoe. So wow. like when we took the walk at the end, she, had her belly. Wow. Um, uh, fashion show is in November, October, homecoming. Um, and we had Zoe in March. So we're still in classes. And now we're not in classes together. We're, so we make the schedule that spring semester schedule where the classes, we're able to coordinate to hand off the baby in between. I was classes. just going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> how was that? I mean, how, how was that? Uh, being a dad, and now now you're in new waters with classes and a new focus, and and you're in college. Yeah, it was something I just I just did because I had to do. Uh, worked at a timer summer. Was back in class the uh, fall of ninety. Then took off spring ninety one semester to work. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a lot. But so so it took me longer to get through film school because I had a work and semester on, semester off, semester on for that last, you know, two and a half, three years of literally starting a brand new, you know, major. So there were a lot of, there were a lot of classes and courses that didn't transfer over because what I, my, I mean, my senior year taking classes with communications after four years of fashion design and merchandising, now communications, I'm sitting in classes with basically freshmen yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who came right into communications, taking the same, you know, intro 101 classes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and raising a child. Yeah, no big deal. All, you know, all in a day's work, right? <laughs> Incredible. And, um, so um, that's where I met Marlon Waynes, was in film school at Howard. Huh. And then so that journey begins. So then if you can tell the people a little bit what, what that ended up uh, reaping. I met Marlon through another mutual friend, uh, Rita McGee, who was in fashion, who was a fashion design major with my wife and I. She was in classes with us. Hmm. She graduated, went on to uh, work in the wardrobe and costume department of In Living Color, Spike Lee movies. It's like oh. 89, 90. Like, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she finished her four years, was off in the film industry, actually on set. And I'm now in film school. Uh, she came and visited campus uh, during one of her breaks. And Marlon was there. She went up to his dorm, his freshman dorm, got him, and they were hanging out. She knew him from In Living Color. You know, he'd come and visit sets. And I bumped into her on campus while she was walking Marlon around. Hmm. And then what came of that relationship? With you and Marlon. 
oh, I work with him now. I, I've been work. He and I have been friends for 37 years, 35 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've been the last 10 years from 2012 till now running his unscripted division. Incredible. Yeah. Produced three stand-up specials, um, about three or four different reality shows that we series that we got up and uh, uh, did it produced a executive produced a documentary together. Yeah, we've got a longstanding, you know, little biography of work. That's beautiful. So let let me ask you this. So so far, um, I like to call it. I mean, some people say fortuitous timing. I call it synchronicities. Everyone, mm. you know, do you believe? Like, where does your belief system go like do you believe in these uh in these ideas because again from what you just expressed and and what you explained in terms of your history and how things connected so far in your your history line it seems like there was a timing even though it wouldn't seem that way becoming a father at a young age, switching majors starting all over again from scratch doing you know one-on-one coursework being able to meet Marlon and you have this beautiful longstanding relationship. I just wanted to ask that question because so far it seems quote unquote, the stars aligned for you <laughs> in some way. <laughs> well, there's a lot of times that the stars go to lie. Correct. Um, and I'm glad you said you that. To, um, I mean, for me personally, like, you know, part of that honesty with oneself is, yes understanding and accepting that we all have time and we all have those times and those opportunities where things align. Every, I believe, yeah. I thoroughly believe everybody is given that and that we don't always make the right decision or choice when those times and opportunities do happen. They, mm-hmm. they happen regardless some of them we make the right choice. And that's where, you know, zooming in, honing in on now. But yeah, there's, they they come across all the time. Interesting, interesting. That 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 moment in which Marlon and I met for the first time was with Rita. So first semester I did this, I did the documentary. Second semester, some friends that were in class with me were in a rap group called the Defiant Giants. And they had a song they wanted me to do a video for. And um, uh, I, I directed and produced a video with, uh, with my then-at-the-time producing partner, uh, Jimmy Castor Jr., whose dad was in this group called the Jimmy Castor Bunch. <laughs> that was the thing at Howard. Everybody was Every, like... You know, was I was so just many, about to say. <laughs> yeah. like, there was so many people like that there at Howard. <laughs> Uh, we did this video called Rise Black Man Rise um, hmm. and I can't find it anywhere I wish I could find that video I can't find, I looked through all my stuff no one's ever posted it online I can't find the video it'll turn up one day and we won uh, a friend of mine worked with this promoter uh, who was taking music groups to Asia for the World College Music Festival and my, submitted my video and our group got picked to go to Asia, go, go to Japan. So wow. that was my first time in Japan was in 1991. And we had just gotten back like three days back from Japan and we we're filming pickup stuff for the homecoming, for one of our homecoming videos. And that's when Rita was walking across the campus with Marlon 
The first time Marlon and I ever met was there on camera while I was filming pickups for the documentary. Three days back from Japan. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. It exists somewhere. And, and literally, like, he talks about homecoming and how much fun he had. And then at the end, he's like, all right, you know, uh, see you later. Um, you know, we go make some movies one day. You know, yeah. that was that was the very first time that he had ever met. He and I ever met was right there on Harris campus on camera. Wow. And now fast forward, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 35 years. <laughs> 35 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love stories like that. I love it. I love it because it, it does hold hold to what you were just talking about, where we all have that uh, and can take advantage of it or, or not and not be able to see it. The one last piece to this uh looking back is now sneakertopia so when did you say i want to transition out of well partially out of hollywood and producing films and docs and stand-ups and series and all the things and i want to get get myself into uh producing an epic by the way uh traveling sneakertopia so like i said my background was my with what my my entrance into filmmaking was documentaries and then transitioned into making music videos. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I always had from the onset storytelling has been, is just one of my, you know, one of the things I do with storytelling, whether it's in, um, in film or producing a film or, writing, you know, the outline for what the doc's going to be, and then the visuals of what you get on a music video set. So when you walk, yeah. you visit the sneaker tope, it's like... Yeah, I was just going to say, oh. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a leap. What yeah. got me to that leap was the backstory. So my, my uh, business partner and producing partner for Sneakertopia, his name is Steve Brown, he and I met at a conference for reality television hmm. and Marlon and I had just produced, finished producing this documentary called Sweet Mickey for President. Have you heard of that? Doc? I haven't. So Sweet Mickey for President is one of the most incredible documentaries. And I'm not just saying that because I, I produced it. Um, so Praz uh, from this group called the Fugees. Little group. Yeah. Praz. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mate was working on this doc. He pulled me in to help him produce it and edit and put the whole thing together. It's the story of um, the election in Haiti mm. when uh, Michelle Martelli was running for uh, for president of Haiti. And Michelle Martelli, he's a mus- he he was a music artist. Probably you not know, was he is a music artist, and his music was rebellious and. Um, stood up for the people was the voice of the people, but he did that in a way of like, imagine George Clinton singing like Bob Marley type songs. Like mm, he, he was yeah. using the undertone <laughs> of Bob Marley, but he dressed on stage in a diaper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is running for president of Haiti and wow. Praz being Haitian is backing Marco Martelli. During his during Praz helping uh, uh, Martelli run for office, his ex bandmate Wyclef is running against Michelle Martelli. 
Wow. And Wyclef has the power of Oprah behind him, and he goes over there, and he's got everybody, you know, he's got all Hollywood. Sean Penn is backing him. Everybody's backing him. Um, so literally this doc is about the two Fuji members running against each other for the office of uh, presidential office of Haiti and uh, how they eventually um, concede to the better of good of the country and come together mutual forces to back Martelli for winning the election. But everybody's wow. in this document from, from Sean Penn to uh, Bill, Bill Clinton. Wow. I'm here for it. I added adding it to my mental list. It's, got, it's a must watch. You're going to text me afterwards going, why have I never heard of this? Like it yeah. is, it's the, one of the craziest docs ever. So I, I produced this doc with Marlon. I'm trying to find distribution. I go to a reality TV conference, a mutual friend uh, uh, that I used to work with at A&E uh, introduces me to Steve Brown. Steve distributes the film. Uh, he had, he had directed and produced some docs himself. We maintain communication, love of being documentary filmmakers. And uh, his background, actually, Steve is a tech guru, tech genius, uh, coder, uh, a startup entrepreneur, uh, sold a couple of his companies, a couple of his tech companies, um, uh, one to Apple for about 160M. And knows coding and marketing and just like stuff that goes on in that we that we just as as lay people don't know yeah yeah uh, don't really understand and uh, his friend was had a company that was doing the marketing for Candytopia hmm. uh, and he helped get the guy his friend's company up and running and do the marketing and launching of Candytopia and I went to the opening of it and at the opening I was literally like this is amazing this this uh, immersive experience. Uh, I'm not a fan of candy, but I like what they did with this whole experience. Like, I mean, sure. I like candy. Like, I'm not going to like, there's, there's no culture in candy. Sure, um, sure. The same way, because Candytopia was right after Ice Cream Museum. So like there's these uh, yes. immersive pop-ups, yep. but there's no culture to them. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I wanted to come up with, well, it evolved into wanting to come up with something with culture because every time I was pitching to him, Cookie-topia, cake-topia. He's just like, eh, eh, like yeah. nothing there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. Nothing there. So Marlon and I are developing this award show. Like I'm running his – Marlon's unscripted. We have this idea that we're developing together for an award show for sneakers. And huh. literally, like we're out at the networks pitching and we're at VH1. I remember sitting in the office of VH1 pitching to uh, the – the head of development at VH1, who I ironically used to work with at A&E, and now she's head of development at VH1, SVP of development. And I'm pitching to her in the room, and what I thought was an epiphany of just like BT has the awards, and that week leading up to it, you've got the BT experience. And if you've ever attended BT for like three or four days leading up to the awards, like an experience starts on Wednesday, the awards on Sunday, you go down to the convention center and there's all these booths you could go to. The radio station has, has acts performing as it gets closer to the date and the acts are coming in town to perform at the BT wards. They start popping up at the experience. So for the average person who doesn't have the opportunity of being one of the 1500 people who sit in the auditorium for the awards, you've got that 
you're able to experience what BT is about, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like we should do the same thing for our sneaker awards and call it Sneakertopia. So what I thought was in the room was an epiphany of laying this whole thing out was a year and a half of simultaneously developing the award show and brainstorming with Steve Brown of what our topia should be. And that's that's how sneak that was me vocalizing it there was the Yeah. Well that was that was the first time the word sneakertopia popped out of my mouth there in that wow. moment. I left the meeting uh, with Marlon and uh, from the Suburban, as we're driving back to the hotel, I call Steve Brown. I go, I, Marlon and I just got this pitch at VH1. Uh, it's like our eighth pitch. This one, I really don't think we sold it. I don't think mm. they're buying the show, but I know what our topia is. <laughs> I, like, I, really don't, I was like after this meeting i really don't think anyone's buying this show right now but yeah, yeah. i know what Artopia is and what i said so that was the first time he usually said no within about four seconds that's the first <laughs> time in seconds to be like there's something there uh-huh okay. uh-huh so we uh we kind of loosely ping-ponged the idea back and forth wrote some jotted some notes down this was july going into august of 2019 no 2018 uh marlon and i's overhead deal at nbc was ending at um so i told you about the whole living arrangement that was before we got on tape right so that was before we started recording so our overhead deal at nbc was ending in uh march of march 1st 2019 so this is august 2018 if 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 you if you know anything about the industry your last six months of overhead deal you're kind of in purgatory you can't (laughs) they're not buying anything from you you're not pitching anything because it becomes their property. Yep. <laughs> it's just yep. like, ah, <laughs> it's like, like fucking unemployment. Yeah, they know what it is. You know what it is. Like, <laughs> and Steve Brown uh, and I, as we are like softly developing this this uh, idea for Stukotopia, he. Uh, he goes out of town. He was he, he moved up from he, he originally from the Bay Area and had just moved to LA that summer of 2018. So he goes home for a conference with his wife. Uh, they pack up. They they had rented a house in Malibu because they're like we're moving to LA. All the last kid was out of school. They're going to move to LA, and uh, she, she her only her only uh, request was it has to be Malibu. So. They had packed up all their stuff, moved to Malibu, and um, the last shipment of all their belongings in their to their rented house arrived in October of 2018. They go back to to San Francisco for a conference, and there's fires in Malibu. Mm, yeah, I recall the house, rented house with all their belongings from San Francisco burned to the ground. Wow, literally. Nothing other than it was like Noah's Ark. Other than the dog they left at the sitter, the two little travel suitcases for the weekend, they, there was no belongings. So he comes back. Um, just de- he and his wife come back to devastated. He and Patty come back devastated. We have dinner. He said, "I'm going to go out of town for a few weeks." It's like right before the holidays. 
They go out of town. They come back like in between Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, or in between Christmas and New Year's. It's basically the end of the year. Like, so, and I know my overhead deal is over in like months. <laughs> and then the year he's like, so what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. And, well, Marlon and I have a slate of stuff we're still developing and probably like 12, maybe 15 things. And he's like, yeah, you know, I've got some doc stuff I'm developing. And, and the, some of that overlap of this, what, what I'm developing, what he's developing is together under the, under the same shingle. And I'm like, look, I have been developing for the last – developing and producing like this in film for the last like 20 years. And, um, you know, that's what I know. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, I've already switched careers becoming a doc filmmaker from, you know, from being this tech guy. And uh, I really love filmmaking. But if you had to pick any one thing, and this is, you know, he, he posed this question to me. It came out of, it came out of, you know, having nothing, but having yeah. everything at the same time, the freedom of having nothing and everything at the same time. Yeah. And he says to me, if you could pick one thing to do, what would that be? And I remember we were, we were sitting at the, at the pool, um, at the, Oh my God. At the Madrid Hotel. Okay, with the, that's where we were sitting poolside at the Madrid Hotel having breakfast when he poses this question. If you pick any of your one projects, what would that be? And after like three minutes, I was like, you know, it's ironic you say that because I started rambling of like all these projects. He's like, no, one project, what would it be? I was like, it's ironic you say that because it probably wouldn't be a film project. It probably would be this idea for us doing this museum. Hmm. He's like, that's it. That's what we're doing. It's like, really? Like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing the museum. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're excited but but scared at the same time. Of course, like, of course, yeah. Because I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like I'm going to go out of the country again for a couple of weeks, and we'll I'm coming back, you know, January fifth, and let's let's like dig in. So we stay on email while I was out of the country. January fifth, he gets back got no place he's still he's like you know airbnb with his wife at the uh malibu library signs in sets up the llc we we uh we get the we uh register the domain so you can tell me that top, like all just like the busy legwork and also working on uh working on our deck january 2019 and by march of 2019 we had our deck done and we go and we go out to pitch uh, one of our first pitches, uh, one of our investors um, introduced us to uh, Corey. Do you know Corey, uh, Corey Blacksmith? I do not. He's a music guy, but he also works with Chappelle. He introduced to his business partner, Guy, guy uh, Primus, and there is an event happening in Atlanta. Um, first of its kind, retired football player Chant Bailey. Uh, and David West are having this event. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Shark Tank for with uh, athletes, retired mm-hmm. athletes, and, uh, uh, listening to pitches. He's like, you should really go down there. So uh, Guy previously like, you should really go down there for this thing. We go to Atlanta. We pitch, um, and that was one of our first investors. And we got uh, we got two fifty from those guys. Wow! Came back, pitched some more. We started pitching in March. And raised over seven figures uh, by August, and we were open in November. 
of 2019? I mean, again, that's another story of synchronicity. That's another, I mean, if that ain't about synchronicities and taking advantage of them, I don't know what is. It was literally like 11 months and three weeks from us sitting by that pool. It was... We'll pick one project. We're going to focus one thing. And like 11 months, three weeks later, like if you saw the opening, if you see footage from the opening night party where it's like um, DJ Clark Kent is DJing and and Cedric (laughs) the Detainer is walking through the Utopia, like, wow, this this shit really happened. (laughs) It really happened. And then there was also a, a, a little party there thrown not too long ago before you shut down in LA, right? Uh, you want to oh, tell the tell B, the folks, Cardi, Cardi B? B? Yeah, the Cardi viral. Turn up. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and Kanye showed up that night. Oh, I didn't know Jesus. that. Okay. I missed that. <laughs> wow. That was, yeah. You know, it all, it all, it can happen. It can happen to you, dude. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And let me ask you this, because again, that that's like one whole layer that, that I'm a big believer in that you are, showing, yes, one, it can happen to take advantage of those synchronicities and listen to your gut, i.e. your intuition. Because I, I truly feel in in listening to this whole storyline, which sounds like an amazing story, you should probably um, get, a, get a documentary on yourself done. Uh, that's a side note. But <laughs> beyond the point, all of this follows a similar pattern. So I'm I'm curious at what point, you know, I, I know we had a brief chat when, when I did take the tour where you did speak about meditation and mindfulness. At what point through all of this did, did that begin? Because now I'm curious, did certain things align there or maybe magnify it further where you where you had, you know, more faith and conviction in following your gut, more clarity mentally to be able to get to the point of sneakertopia. I know it's not a straight line and and your 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 life experiences so far are not a straight line, but they are where when you zoom out, you can see these similar patterns continuing to happen. So I'm just curious in terms of meditation and mindfulness, I know that's um that that's big for you these days. When did that begin? So for me it's kind of always existed. Hmm. Um, even better. Even back, when I was, even back when I was in in when I was a teenager in New York, uh, traveling to school on the train and bus was taught like there when I'd be reading or just like okay, I just got I've got twenty minutes for this thing. Let me just focus. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like meditation and mindfulness comes in all different forms, but the underlining form of it is being able to go within yourself, tune out and focus on kind of stillness of, mm. of focusing on the stillness, but also on singularity. Mm, that's uh, Yeah. So I would take yoga as I, after in my early thirties, I was doing yoga. Actually, one of my, most incredible yoga experiences was uh, was uh, with Russell Simmons, where he took me to the his studio in the studio that he frequented in Union Square. But then, when uh, I spent the weekend at his house in um, in the Hamptons, 
he woke me up before sunrise to go to the beach mm. and do and meditate for 40 minutes before hopping in the salt water and then going to yoga class. Like there's wow. So I've, I've meditated with some gurus and uh, I remember having, and then as I, when I moved to LA, like you know, LA really, you can embrace the whole meditation yoga culture. doesn't feel as weird on the West coast as it does right. on the East coast. Right. Totally. Um, and taking the time to like little things like, I don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom. I leave it in another room on the charger or off the charger, but it stays, the alarm is on for it, but it's just in another room so that when I wake up, the first thing I'm not doing is giving myself to take, I'm taking control of myself and, and giving myself that space. I was invited to a dinner with Gary Vee. It was the first time I ever met him and, Unlike you, I don't do any background work. So, like, I just took it in for at the moment. Had had idea who it was, but I didn't spend an hour, like, researching who this dude was. And sure. When he asked me about my – he asked me the same thing, my morning routine. I was like, I don't touch my phone for the first 45 minutes. Like, I I go meditate. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How can you do that? Yeah. This – him? Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> you do you. I was like, you know, the all level happiness is all certain levels. Like for some people, like it's a yacht, a jet. Some people, it's just like a, a tiny house in the forest. Like you know, whatever yeah. makes you happy. And to me, not not giving myself to the elect the electronics first thing in the morning is that makes me happy. Um, That's huge. What I've, what I've started to do. So what I you ever take a, a Soul Cycle class? Yeah. So what do you like about Soul Cycle, David? Well, I took it. So let me quick caveat because I know now, you know, there's Peloton and you, you can even do Soul Cycle virtually, but I took Soul Cycle because I was pushed into taking Soul Cycle back when I was on the East Coast. Okay. I was like, look, you know, I, I, I love fitness. I love trying new things. And everybody was, it was all the rage. And I'm like, I don't want to do Soul Cycle. I'd prefer to lift some weights. I prefer to, you know, just do, I was doing at the time I was doing like those HIIT workouts and loving them. Uh-huh. They're like, all right, then you got to do soul cycle, man. You got to do it. So I tried it. It was, it was fun. I mean, but for me, it was fun because of the music selection and I was able to just flow and get into a flow state with the music. So for me, that was the fun of it. So I was like, I'll go to a soul cycle, but I want to know. I was your instructor. So for some of them, I mean, not all instructors are the same. Um, true, very true. But um, this this woman Angela Jerry Lorenzo's sister used to teach at Soul Cycle uh, mm. on Sunset near Equinox, and her classes, Angela's classes, were they were like going to church. Really, that was she is so spiritual and like it was you 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 felt like while while you're at your most um, uh, openness and mm. I don't want to say vulnerable, but at that where you're like completely like in it and going for it, that physical and the sweat and the, and the, the positivity that she was speaking while you're going th- while she's, she's, she's motivating you through that was yeah. what I love. 
about so much about Soul Cycle. Mm. Uh, and then I realized that's what I loved about my friend has a uh, Pilates studio um, right there near there. Shannon Nash has a Pilates studio called uh, Hot Pilates. And that's one thing that she does with her classes and, and has all of her instructors do. And mm. what I realized probably the last two years, what I've started doing is I still meditate in the morning. Yeah. But um, what I started doing during my workouts is on Spotify, you know how you can type in any category from like, you know, Yeezy Station or Rick Ross Station or, or the Beatles? Yeah. You can actually, they actually have a motivation one, motivational hmm. speaker. I didn't know that. Everything so, from. <laughs> okay. I know where we're going. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Talk to me. Everything from Eric Thomas to, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Goy- Golins. The oh, guy, yeah, I, I, the Navy I, SEAL dude. David Goggins. David Goggins. Everybody's on yes. there. Yes. Wow. Okay. Denzel. Everybody's on there. Arnold Schwarzenegger, everybody's on there. And okay. they're all edited down. That in my ears, while I, and I have to think about it, just put it on while I go through my workout, dude, it will change your work. And they, they talk, it's, it's laid over music, it's edited over music. Oh, I'm here for that. I don't know why I don't know this. This is like a revelation. <laughs> well, I can tell you, it makes my workouts. It's I'm like, I wish I knew. I wish. Well, oh my I God, really I wish. 30 years ago, you know, you had right, an iPod. Right. It, yeah. It's not a cassette, a Sony Walkman. But yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Walkman, <laughs> Discman, the heavy ass yeah. Discman. <laughs> Dude, it will change your life. Oh, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I mean, that. Getting pumped and like they're like it's just a whole other like it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God. You just that, like that is such a revelation that's changing my workout this afternoon. Um, that is changing my workout probably for the rest of my life. So definitely glad we had this one. Let me give. Let me ask. Are there any more gems like this that you're doing on a daily basis? Because damn, that was probably life altering. I should pro- I should like make a little list of that like but that's definitely a life hack right there like totally totally it's, it's the best like it's like meditation it's it's the best thing ever yeah you're hit you're hitting all points you're hitting your mind you're hitting your physical you're hitting your soul it's like what else is there if if, if you don't come out feeling good after that <laughs> and, and, and it's not like so like if you take if you've ever taken a yoga class one of the yeah. really nice things about yoga is. You're stretching, and while you're stretching, mm-hmm. they're talking to you. Yeah. You know, they're getting yeah. you all grounded and yeah, telling you the spiritual things. Like, yeah, that's cool. Now, imagine you're able to work out your own. You're able to pick up the weights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm with it. You know, like, this would be great, but if I had like a thirty pound dumbbell, it'd be amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man. By the way, this is not sponsored at all by Spotify, but this is, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just saying, this is like life-changing for me, and that's why I'm geeking out over this along with you. But in no way are we sponsored, happily to no. be, but we are not, this segment is not sponsored by Spotify, but it's a dope life hack. But I don't know if Apple Music has that too, just I have a Spotify membership, but that's, that's no, I'm, it changed I'm, my life. I it told changed. you, I'm in. 
I'm in. So let me ask you this, Steve. So that's one beautiful part of your typical uh, (laughs) day of wellness, which I love. Are there any other things that you incorporate? Uh, So it sounds like meditation in the morning. It sounds like an amazing workout with with this uh, with this new motivational music. Are there any non negotiables? Or I have to do this over the course of a day to either ground myself, reset, get myself started over the course of the day. You know, we all we all as individuals have a lot going on and if you're an entrepreneur you have even more going on <laughs> you know, yeah always got a blueprint for you you're learning it as you go you've got bills and overhead you've got people's bills and overhead that you've got to support like it's a whole nother it's a whole nother level of responsibility um so i say for myself uh, the one thing that I try to do that I not try that I that I do every day is to at a minimal get one thing done. I get multiple things done, but identify what is that most important thing that needs to happen today mm. and get that done. Mm. Like what what's one thing I need to focus on and get done? There's a there's ten things I need to do, but Every day, getting being able to knock at least one thing off that list. That's big. I love that. And I think, again, this comes back to something you mentioned earlier, singularity, that you've all, always had in your mind. I think that's huge because, again, you know, some of us are busy. Some of us are busy being busy. And in order to diminish the busy being busy, especially these, these days with just being bombarded with information, from all which ways, especially that phone, how can you set yourself up for success by just being able to, again, hone in on that one thing where you say, let me get this thing done. I'm good for the day. I'll get other things done, but let me get that one thing done. And that's that sense of accomplishment, I think, for that one thing goes a long way. Yeah. And I, I want to, um, you know, I'm human. We're all human. and we have to, or at least what works for me is um, being mindful of the amount of time and energy that I'll put towards it. So mm. if I've got to get this one thing done for the day, identify what it is. Don't work more than two and a half hours without taking at least a half hour of break of downtime. Then go back to if it's that or something else. But my work of like focus is like between 90 minutes and two hours. Yeah. I'll do 90, yeah. then take like 20 minutes, do 90. Then I take like two minutes. For me, my, my, uh, my productivity is a little bit higher, a little bit more focused. Um, I'm, and I'm sure everybody's body clock's a little bit different, but it's probably around the same. Like that's your, I mean, when you think of like people in there, in their, you know, in the last two and a half, three years, 
there's we've 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 had to we've had to adapt to a large part of the population has had to adapt to managing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you had to be in a physical office at a certain time, you know, that dictated some kind of some kind of structure of management where you have to take a shower. You gotta put on the clothes. You gotta, you gotta, and you gotta get your workout but before before you leave the house to like it just it just laid out your day. And then when you got there, you got you had your coffee and your breakfast, and then you worked for a little bit and you checked in with some people and said hi, and then you yep. had lunch. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Rinse and repeat. It was it was all laid out for you. Yes. Uh so just being being acknowledging that and take your personal time. Uh, make sure that you look out for your own self and your own wellness uh, because you're not going to be good to anybody if you don't take care of yourself first. I love that. There's two parallels that are happening in this conversation, which we'll have to pour into another conversation for another time is one, you have all of these gems historically as it relates to music and movies and there's so much, and then the history of Howard. So they do have to dig up um, that documentary <laughs> that you're still trying to find. But I think that there's just a lot of great anecdotes there. But on the second, on the second front, parallel front, I think what you're speaking to right now has been evident in that entire uh, entire sequence up until this point of your life story essentially everything you're speaking of right now is reflective of everything you just brought up anecdotally and i love that and i love when i can see it so clearly i love that both of those parallels come to show that you live by what you practice and by what you practice you in essence live by they are interchangeable and again, comes back right to the very top of how you even answered the masculinity question about honesty, being honest with yourself. I think you truly emanate that honesty in yourself and you live by by what you practice. And I appreciate you for that. And I pre- one, I appreciate you for all of the anecdotes and being open to share all of that um, over the course of your journey. And I also appreciate the gems <laughs> that came out in, in the way of wellness, especially the Spotify one. But in the meantime, I I want to leave the floor open to you a little bit. Is there anything you want to mention to the good people in terms of any upcoming projects that you have going on? Anything you have going on with uh, Sneakertopia in the future that folks can look forward to? Um, the focusing and launching in Asia. Of Sneakertopia, um, that's uh, you know that's number one on the agenda, uh, and then looking for a location here in the states to reopen and relaunch at. So, like that's my twelve month plan is to. Oh, you also have to get a, a permanent space or another oh, yeah. space and here in the states to reopen. Space here in in the states, and and while I would love for it to be Los Angeles. I really, at this point, just have to say the states. So wherever okay. the best opportunity uh, permits itself. My my son, who 
was, and I left, I can't believe Zach, sorry, Zach, shout out Zach. Um, <laughs> he, he's been a sneakerhead since he was 11, 12, 13 years old. Hmm. Uh, so I've kind of always been exposed to sneaker culture. Uh, you know, he was, he was flipping sneakers. I'd buy him a pair for Christmas and by March, he's got three pairs. I'm like, how'd you do that? Like, what, <laughs> like he, yeah. He was making moves. Like he, 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 would leave it, he would leave the house. He would be trying to leave the house at like eight o'clock at night. This is back in the early two thousands. Leave the house at eight o'clock at night um, with a shoebox. Go to meet uh, uh, Raphael. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what is? What's... <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm meeting Raphael uh, on the corner, and uh, yeah, we're doing this exchange. Got to. So, got to. He's been he's, he's been flipping sneakers back when it was Craigslist and uh, wow <laughs> before stock <laughs> it was Craigslist yeah wow um so so he's always been an important part of um you know keeping me true to sneaker culture uh, uh true to the game and uh, looking forward to uh, working with him in launching he wants to launch in New York so. Um, you know, back in Brooklyn somewhere, like right over there near the uh, near the um, Barclays Stadium. That's his dream. Hmm. Okay, all right. So, yep, Apple does not fall far from the tree. I'm here for it. I look forward to it. I know it will happen. Uh, the way you've been rolling and continue to roll, and and now your offspring, same thing. <laughs> I, I see that coming. I love it. Love to hear it. Love to see it. Love to see it soon. Um, Steve, amazing conversation. Thank you for uh, going man to man with me today. Uh, I want to let the good people know that are listening and watching. You can connect with Steve at Go Sneaker Topia on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Get all the details. Stay locked in because clearly there's a lot happening. <laughs> um, and stay tuned for the rollout and the big things that are to come. In the meantime, make sure to tell another brother, king, or queen about Man to Man so we can keep these combos going like we just had with the Steve Harris. And if you're liking what you're hearing, give us those five stars and please leave us a review. And if there's someone you want to hear on Man to Man, connect with me on Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Till next week, peace, love, and sneakers. Sneakers. How'd you know? (laughs) 